think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, you've got no problems. They fix the problem of size exclusivity with their famous half cup sizes that revolutionized the industry by giving more options to find a bra that fits. And they fixed the problem of guessing what bra will fit you with their virtual fitting room and other helpful guides. A bra size chart, a bra 101 education section that's basically an FAQ for all your burning questions, and a ton of great reviews from real people. My sister just texted me, 99 problems. But pinching <laughs> isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Hi, everybody. You are in for a treat today because we have... Fortune Teamster here, and this team You're, over here is really excited. Oh my gosh, this is a pretty great group right here. I'm telling you, come <laughs> on, and we're all very good looking. Yes, wow. we are. That's the luckily. I'm so glad. I've been waiting what 150 episodes for someone to yeah. notice that quickly. <laughs> yeah. You're the smartest one we've had so far. This podcast is called Eye Candy Today. Yes. <laughs> I, I can do hard, hard things. I knew yeah. that was coming, sister. Fortune Feemster is a stand-up comedian, writer, and actor. Her first Netflix special, Sweet and Salty, so freaking good, was Aww. nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. And her new comedy special, Good Fortune, so freaking good, yes. is streaming now on Netflix, Fortune was a writer and panelist on the hit show Chelsea Lately. This show loves some, us some mm -hmm. Chelsea and starred in The Mindy Project. She has also appeared in Two Broke Girls, The L Word, Generation Q, of <laughs> like course. Like for a minute. <laughs> Fortune, welcome. Thank you. This is so cool to be on here. I appreciate it. Oh my, we appreciate you. So the first question that I'm sure everyone looks <laughs> asks you as soon as they see you is- yes. yeah. Clearly, you were a debutante, yes. right? Cle clearly. <laughs> I mean, I think that my manners and ladylike behavior comes across pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I joked in the sweet and salty special about it because I never thought that would be something I would reveal to anyone. I thought it would be something I hid deep down in my treasure chest of memories. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend was like, you have to tell people about that. It's crazy because it's not anything I wanted to do or be a part of. But my mom was one and very determined for me to be one. <laughs> Literally was working at a recreation apartment in town, lining softball fields and then leaving and going to like, you know, these parties where you'd eat little sandwiches. This is culture is so amazing. You need to tell us. My sister has tried to explain it. She went to college mm -hmm. in the South. And so she has friends yeah. who did all of this extravaganza. Oh. It's amazing. 
what happens? Yeah, it's very like ladylike. Like you have to wear like a dress or a skirt, which I had none of. And my mom, I think, made me go to like Lane Bryant or something and buy lots of stuff with shoulder pads. Luckily, a friend of mine did it with me. And so we we would just like have fun. But it was a lot of like shaking hands and thanking people for having us to their home. And thank you for the iced tea. It was like, yeah, a lot of manners. Which, and what's the point of it? Yeah. You're, you're being introduced to society yeah, as an like available wife. I guess. Honestly, I haven't read the history of it because I'm too scared to. (laughs) I don't want to know. Tell us, Fortune. This is your um, lineage that came from this. So the whole thing started in England. It was this idea of when Mm. aristocracy, children of aristocracy and uh, very wealthy means Mm -hmm. were presented their daughters to the court. (laughs) This is where we get homecoming court, right? Oh, no. Presented (gasps) to the kings and queens and court of this this daughter is now of breeding age and available for marriage. And and the idea was, so debutante is debut, right? Your first coming out. So this is, Yes, you're yeah. coming out to the world. Fortune, did you know it was called a coming out party? How ironic. Yeah, I said I came out <laughs> twice. <laughs> the first one was just the wrong coming out. <laughs> the opposite, in fact. I knew I was being presented to society, but I honestly didn't know what that meant. Right. And right. I, yeah, at the ripe age of 18, was not ready to A, get married, or B, get married to a man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad that it was only um, in practice. Like, oh, we're going to do this for, like, the, the like, fun party. Right. Um, but I, no one, I wasn't promised to anyone. And your mom was into it. Your mom. My mom was so into it. Because right. my family had come from money. Uh, my grandfather was this very prominent um, contractor. He built all these things all over North Carolina, schools, churches, houses. Uh, but he died unexpectedly. My grandmother made some bad business decisions. There's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So by the time I came up, we had no money. And so there was this big juxtaposition of like, my mom came from this world and I am not in that world. Mm. I would say that I would come home and like the couch would be gone. And I was like, where's the couch? And she was like, I had to pay for that debutante party. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Is that was, not the epitome of, yeah. like, here's your fancy dress. So go out there and look rich and try to get rich. But don't try to sit yeah. on a couch because we have nothing. I mean, our house was empty and I was going to debutante parties because you have to pay for all this stuff. And I was like, Mom, we don't have any money. Like, we can't do this. You have to buy a big white wedding gown for this ball. And that's a, a actual wedding gown I'm wearing. It's nuts. And I say that my brother walks me down the aisle in a tuxedo. It looks like we're getting married. There's so much wrong with it. <laughs> Wow. And so against my personality and anything that I want to be a part of. It's amazing. I mean, the whole Southern culture is so fascinating. Can you tell us about your grandmother, about the bridge games? Because this feels like part of the ritual that is so ingrained in Southern culture, which is so beautiful and brutal. (laughs) Tell us about the bridge games that you used to have to. But my grandmother was such a lady, like very, like I said, prominent lady back in the day. But when I was young, she used to have bridge games over to her house. And it was this whole to do and all the, these proper ladies had their bridge tables and they would kind of march us in to, I would say the Pledge of Allegiance. And we had to learn how to properly shake a hand, you know, look someone in the eye and and like make it a strong handshake. And then we had to like go around and ask everyone how they I mean, I was like six, <laughs> six or seven years old. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know, I had that thick Southern accent and just, yeah, like, do you need anything else to drink? <laughs> Can we okay. talk about what? Why the hell the Pledge of Allegiance was I required d- before a bridge honestly game? Honestly, don't know. <laughs> As she got older, she stopped doing that thing, and she loosened up a bit. She wasn't 
as like rigid. She was very into manners and how you're supposed to act. And uh, so we always, my brothers and I have great manners. We're always, except for eating, I'm a little like a bit of a beast. That did not (laughs) stick with me. Uh, My wife's always like, why are you licking your fingers? You are a debutante. You should know this. (laughs) This is my favorite part of the whole thing because we have this, Southern emphasis on ritual and respect and Mm -hmm. the debutante lady. So obviously this family that has these Southern values would spend your birthday Mm -hmm. where? That's Where would you spend it? At a tea room, Fortune? Would you spend it at a tea room? We would not go to a tea room. We actually went to Hooters. (laughs) (laughs) It was my 21st birthday (laughs) and my, I was in the closet uh, because, you know, being from the South, mm-hmm. I just didn't have examples of gay people. I didn't know any gay people. I went to a very small, um, ironically, women's college mm-hmm. uh, where you think it would just be chock full of lesbians. Not the case, you guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <God. Damn> man. <laughs> I you the, can't catch a break. <laughs> I picked the one women's college with no lesbians. <laughs> so I, I was a late bloomer. And I remember my family wanted to take me uh, to Hooters because it was like a place that, you know, we've gone to many times uh, before. (laughs) Um, But this was back when if it was your birthday at Hooters, they would like six Hooters waitresses would grab you and parade you around the restaurant. And oh. this is when Hooters was at the top of its game. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, right, It was right. very popular. Yes. Now everyone's like, ah, boobs, we've seen them. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but back then everyone was like, boobs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm telling everybody, like, do not tell them it's my birthday. I don't want that attention because it was, the place was packed with these like old school guys. And I'm like, they don't want to see me being paraded around by a bunch of Hooters waitresses. So they, my brother's girlfriend told them and sure enough, they came and grabbed me and walked me around the Hooters. And I always said it felt like a gay Salem witch trials (laughs) where (laughs) I was about to get scarlet letter in the, you know, town hall. Um, cause they grabbed a bar stool. This was a tradition back then. And they make you stand on this bar stool in the middle of the restaurant. All these guys were like, what's, what's happening here? <laughs> and the girls circle around you. And your present is that they jump up and down and you get to look down from your perch <laughs> and see boobies flopping. That's your present. Happy birthday, Fortune. So I just could not believe it that that was my present. And my whole family was like cheering and taking pictures. And, <laughs> but, but cheering and taking pictures of Fortune on the bar stool looking at mm-hmm. boobs. And no one knows that Fortune is gay still, including Fortune. Well, my brothers claim that they had a pretty good idea. But my mom totally thought I was like looking for a husband. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was out to lunch. She did not. Maybe put that's two why two she together. kept taking you to Hooters. She's like I, one of these guys. She's I, yeah. She and I mean, I even when I came out to her, she's like, "Are you sure?" Yeah. I'm like, "I'm pretty sure." Yeah. <laughs> but so, your brothers, when you came out, said I came out to my brothers. I was like, "You guys, I'm gay." And uh, my brother said, uh, yeah, duh. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, thanks for telling me that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I go, well, why why did you think I was gay this whole time? What, you know, what gave that away? And he said, well, once when you were seven, you got hit with a soccer ball and you yelled, ow, my dick. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> It was wild. But you lived in North Carolina. When did you move to L.A.? I moved to L.A. after college. Uh, I graduated college when I was 22, moved to Spain for a year randomly to like uh, live and teach English. And then after that. So I moved to L.A. in 2003. Okay, so you get to L.A. What Mm -hmm. was that like moving from your small town to L.A.? I mean, a total shock. Mm-hmm. I think if I had not gone to Spain for a year, I would have arrived to L.A. and left like six months later. Mm-hmm. But I think because living mm-hmm. in Spain was so hard and there was that language barrier that I was like, well, if I can do that, mm-hmm. I think I can do anything. Because 
when you talk about doing hard things, that was very difficult. And the whole time I was like, why am I here? I don't know why I chose to do this. But I think because I was from a small town, my town was like eight or 9,000 people. My school was tiny. I always just felt like there was more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of my bubble. I gotta see what's out there. I gotta like learn about the world. I was like, I'm going to go to Spain. I had no money. I got like eight jobs that summer and earned the money and went. And it was awesome. It was hard, but awesome. I Mm -hmm. learned so much and grew up so much so that when I got to L.A., I was like, well, at least I can understand what people are saying. And (laughs) that's a start. (laughs) How many people do you think you were teaching English to? Um, I was just tutoring. So uh, it was like maybe four, only like four because okay. uh, I was like going to language school and then tutoring on the side. But I'll tell you this. I am not meant to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> my wife was a teacher for 12 years. My mom was a teacher for 30 something years. My wife's mom's a teacher for 35 years. I tutored these young lads and all they wanted to do was have fun. They wanted to like laugh and play games. And so I would come up with like improv games. These boys came from a very prominent family. and I don't think they were allowed to have much fun. No one told me that the six-year-old had like homework every week and tests every week <laughs> in English that I was supposed to be helping him with. No one told me this. So every week we're just having fun, <laughs> learning about animals and things in English. So it's my last day. I'm about to leave Spain forever. And the the nanny tells me that the six-year-old has failed English. And I was like, hmm, I have to go. I have to go. That is exit stage left. Uh, but it makes me laugh thinking about these kids walking around Spain having like the southern draw. Yeah. Do they have a North Carolina accent? I cannot believe in hindsight they hired me because this is a family that definitely wants their kids to speak like British English, not this. So I don't know what they were thinking because, oh, those poor boys. Uh, They're walking into job interviews now going, hey, y'all. Yeah, hey, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, so best year of their life. They had more fun than ever, but did not learn anything. Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidalre, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. So you get to LA. Mm -hmm. This was like pre-GPS, right? Yes. So you did some kind of strange things to find your way around. And is it true that you found a bunch of L word bootlegs on Craigslist. Oh my gosh, you really did a deep dive. Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah, so I was living in LA and that was pre-GPS. So that's when you were given a Thomas guide. (laughs) A book of grids that you were just supposed to be like, I need to go to like the Grove C9. You know, like you're like, what? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was like finding my way out here and I was not out yet. I think I was obviously something was bubbling inside mm-hmm. of me because I remember that was when they had uh, the gay pride weekend on the like local access channel. I'm like, what's this? Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't know any gay people. I didn't know many people at all in L.A. And um, so I was just curious about the world and what it meant to be gay. And 
I just wanted some like information. And the L word, I think, was maybe like one season in and I I didn't have Showtime because I was poor, (laughs) uh, could not afford it. So, yeah, you could like buy bootleg copies of it on Craigslist. (laughs) And (laughs) and I bought the entire first season of the L word on Craigslist and it just showed up and it was, you know, just those blank DVDs. There was like eight of them or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, all right. And Here we so go. I like put it in and just, it blew my mind. I mean, not even the like salacious part of it, which it had plenty, just like seeing women go get coffee together mm-hmm. or be in a relationship or have these friendships. Like I had never seen that before in the terms of a gay world, a lesbian mm-hmm. world. And that I was like, oh my God, that's the thing I've been missing or, you know, that kind of thing. And I didn't come out still <laughs> right away, but it definitely like got that going for me where I was like, well, this looks pretty fun. Yeah. I remember that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you you watched it back then too? Or no, later because on? I, I for sure I'm did. New, I'm new. Yeah, I figured Abby did. She's new. <laughs> I'm newbie. I missed that whole way. I wanted to be Shane. And also I moved to LA shortly thereafter, around the same time mm-hmm. as you. And yeah. I kept going to the places that I wa- that I saw on the screen. And I'm like, where are the fucking lesbians? Oh, well, you know what Fortune did? <laughs> Fortune. So tell Abby what you signed up for in order to find the gays. Well, <laughs> Once I came out, I I was like, I got to find gay people to like show me the way. So I started joining like all these teams, like sports teams. I joined a soccer league. I was like, there's got to be lesbians in the soccer league. There are. Yeah. And I joined a softball league. That's always pretty on the nose. There they are. Because soccer is like, there's lesbians and then there's also straight girls Mm. that just want to have fun. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, And then I joined an African drumming class uh, in Venice. I was like, I'm going to meet some lesbians here for sure. Wow. Yeah. I just started spreading my gay wings. Innovative of you. (laughs) But it wasn't the L word that even made you, like so many of us, what did it take for you? Yeah, what was the aha moment? (laughs) So the aha moment is very embarrassing. (laughs) I would love to be able to tell you that some uh, amazing lesbian walked up to me and just laid one on me and rocked my world. That did not happen. That took a very long time to happen. Um, what happened was I was at my house flipping through the ch- TV channels and I came upon a Lifetime movie <laughs> called The Truth About Jane. Oh, my God. And it was this girl in high school who was kind of in this coming out journey. And she uh, was trying to figure out who she was. And her mom, played by Starker Channing, was very like, boo. She did not <laughs> agree or support this. Uh-huh. but. But the girl had a gay teacher um, who was very supportive and very attractive. It wasn't like that. It wasn't inappropriate. But I can say that. To you it was. Exactly. Um, So then the girl eventually realizes she's gay and comes out and is very proud and I think gives like a speech or something at her school. And then her mom's like loves her and proud of her. And I was sitting there watching this like 17 year old. go through this journey and be very brave. And here I was, I think I was like 25 or something. And I was like, oh my God. And I said out loud for the first time in my life, I was like, I'm gay. And it was all from watching this Lifetime movie. They'll do it. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is the thing. This is the catalyst that made me finally say it. But it that's the truth. That's the truth about fortune. Were you scared? That's the truth about fortune. For sure, that's the title of this episode. Yeah. Were you scared? Were you ecstatic? Were you like, what? How did the aftermath of that realization go for you? I was like a lot of things. I was um, scared about how my family would react. I think I ended up not telling them for like six months. I wanted to like kind of figure out that world a little bit myself before I went and just, you know, pronounce Mm -hmm. this thing about myself. Um, 
But there also was this like giant weight lifted off my shoulder mm. because my whole life I had felt like something was missing. Mm. Something's not right. And I I don't know what it is. I could never pinpoint it. I could be like r- constantly racking my brain. Like, what is this thing that's missing? And I never had that thing with like guys where I wasn't like dating guys. We just had that thing where we'd like immediately high five. We had a very bro <laughs> vibe with each, with each other. Growing up, I, I was getting rejected in a way that I didn't even realize. I wasn't the object of affection for, you know, guys in that way. So I just didn't have that. So I just remember always feeling a little empty. Like mm-hmm. I'm missing that love or affection that all these other people have gotten to experience. Mm -hmm. So I think I was just like relieved, like, oh my gosh, I I finally know Mm -hmm. what to even look for now. Mm -hmm. Before I just felt like I was just sort of, you know, aimlessly Mm -hmm. looking around. So it felt like I had a direction now Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a weird way. Um, And I felt free. This is who I am. And I get to now be that person and figure mm. out who that person is. And it was a really like um, lovely thing to feel. And I also started comedy that year. And I don't think it's any accident that both those things found each other in my life at the same time. Why? Why do you think it took the one to get the other? Because based on how I am as a comedian, I tell my story um, and I think it would have been really weird to get up there and pretend to be something I'm not. Yeah. I don't, mm. I think people would have like seen through me right away. Mm. And that authenticity, which I, I value and try to share with people would have been missing. And I think that's a big piece of who I am as a comedian. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine me up there like, well, my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, 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 Tim. <laughs> you just said I can't imagine pretending to be something I'm not. Mm-hmm. But not to get too anthropological about like the Southern lady thing, but uh-huh. you grew up in a world where Sweet Ginger, your mama, would take you to Hooters, but then swear to God when she was dating a conservative man that she had yeah. never been to Hooters. And mm-hmm. then you're you're out playing the role of a debutante, but you have yeah. no couch at home. So like there's a <laughs> lot about that life that is sort of pretending to be something mm-hmm. you're not, right? So where does that ethos come from you where you're yeah. like, no, I need to be fully integrated in who I am? I'm sure that like seeing my mom go through her journey of like trying to be something she wasn't, mm. you know, to please a man. I think that definitely bothered me back in the day. That whole that I have never been to Hooters. You're just like, we have been there my entire life. Right. And now you're trying to act like you're a whole different person. Like, I hated that. I hated seeing that. And so. I think there was that like probably internal thing of like that. I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to be somebody I'm not to try to please somebody else. Um, And she eventually grew out of that, too. She is not like that either, Um, because there is a point, I think, that you reach in your life where you're like, I don't want to try to be something I'm not so that you'll like me. That doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I just got to that place um, where I was just like, I just want to be me. I'm, I know it's taken me a long time to figure out who that even is, but now I have a better idea of that. And that's all I want to be. I don't want to be a debutante. I don't want to be straight. I don't want to be whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, and that's where I think the weight lifted off came from Mm because I didn't have to pretend anymore to you know please my mom or whoever it was. It's exhausting. It's, it takes so yeah. much more effort to be something that you're not than and you know mm-hmm. comedians I think have this beautiful way of being truth tellers and it would be pretty backwards if you got up there and you were like I'm straight and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for a guy if anybody knows anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Did your coming bringing your truth to your mom, Mm -hmm. did that precede her? Because I know she 
where was she in her journey to come into herself? Because I'm wondering, sometimes it's like, when you say you weren't the object of affection of boys, it made pretending to be that impossible. Is it like, and your mom was walking that line where she sort of effectively was pretending. Mm -hmm. Was your coming out a, a kind of watershed in her just being like, fuck it. I'm just not pretending anymore. (laughs) I'm trying to think where she was at in her life. She was no longer with that very conservative man who I, I'm have a feeling if I had come out earlier, it might not have gone over well because she was Mm -hmm. in the thick of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, was really enamored with this person and, and it had sort of, uh, taken over her senses a little bit too much. So I think I had to get to a certain place in my life. And unfortunately, it lined up better with where she was at in her life. Um, So she might have been single at the time. For her, there was acceptance from the beginning, which was amazing. I know not everyone is so lucky. Um, And for her, it was, I'm worried that your life is going to be harder because of this. And there's nothing that you've done that you're just being who you are but she knew based on just being a person of the world and how people act there are going to be people that literally hate me Mm -hmm. because of this piece of information now Mm -hmm. and I think that was really hard for her and it made her sad like I don't want Mm -hmm. you to have to deal with that Mm -hmm. and I go well on the flip side you know not being who you are is a personal pain that it, to me is much greater than any hate mm. someone's going to spew at me. That's I right. would much rather be happy with myself and my life than, you know, than than be like you said accepted mm-hmm. by everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you know it just took her a minute to sort of wrap her head around what my life would look like. And mm-hmm. as a parent, you've envisioned like, oh, like my kid's gonna get married and have kids. You know, they have this traditional view probably. And I think she just needed a minute to like rework that vision. Mm-hmm. And she did. Is it? And she did. Mm-hmm. Didn't she become the president of PFLAG in her town? <laughs> she did. Yeah. In, in Gaston County, uh, which is a very conservative area in North Carolina, there was a PFLAG group, but it was small and um, not doing much. And she went in there and uh, eventually became the president and they were very busy and doing things for years. Like she would go to gay pride parades and those parents would write um, posters of support and love for gay people Mm. and stand in front of the, you know, the people with the hateful signs. And, you know, they would say like, I love my gay child, just support. And I would get emails and tweets constantly from people like, I saw your mom at this event or this pride parade and my parents didn't accept me coming out and seeing your mom, you know, be that way and and love you no matter what. It gives me hope. And it was amazing. I think she did it for like, gosh, like 10 years. And she had to finally take a break during the pandemic. I was like, you've done your gay work. (laughs) Take a break. Take a break. God bless (laughs) Ginger. Yeah, she really resonates with a lot of people because mm-hmm. she's a spunky, full of personality woman and just very active and supportive of the gay community. Mm. Thank you, Ginger. Yeah. Our, our mom does that too. Our mom's all it, all over the place. She's That's planning awesome. trans um, celebrations at her church. She actually changed wow. churches. She went to from a what was she sister? She was Episcopalian. She was Catholic. Then she, then she's Episcopalian. Then she moved to, um, Unitarian. Unitarian. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. My mom talks about that a lot cause she's Methodist and there's been a, a lot of internal stuff yes. going on with the church. So she's very vocal about that. There's one side that wants to accept, you know, the, uh, gay clergy and all that stuff and another side that doesn't Mm -hmm. so they're I don't know where they're at with that right now but she's always real real annoyed by it 
Thank you for being annoyed, Ginger. We appreciate yeah, you. She, she's trying to get those Methodists set straight in a gay way. <laughs> Good luck, Ginger. <laughs> it's so cool because it's like, it seems like a dramatic shift, but really it's just the refunneling of that energy. Because when, mm-hmm. when it's like all the passion and the sacrifice she was willing to make, she's getting rid of all the furniture in your house so you could be a debutante <laughs> trying to like make your life good, right? The way yeah. she sees it. And then it's just a shift in being like, oh no, this is where she needs me. She needs mm-hmm. me over here yeah. instead of yeah. over here. And so yeah. it was just like a refunneling of that passion. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. With the 2024 games in Paris on the horizon, I've gotten nostalgic about my international career. And when I look back, There are a few things I would have done differently to make sure I made the most of my time abroad. And one of those things was to learn a non-English language more fully. A daunting task, yes, but a much easier one when you consider that Rosetta Stone can get you fast language acquisition through their intuitive, research-based, dynamic immersion approach. That's why they're the most trusted language learning program and have been for years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Whether it's Dutch, Arabic, or Chinese, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, We Can Do Hard Things listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash we can. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash we can today. We talk a lot about the, I'm so scared life's going to be so hard for you. I think there's so many parents who out of fear try Mm -hmm. to change their kid. Mm-hmm. Right, because they're so scared the world's going to be. And so it's a different shift to say, okay, no, I'm not going to change my kid, but I'm going to work to change the world yeah. for my kid, yeah. mm-hmm. which is what your mom chose. Yeah, right? It's a beautiful, I think it's a better choice. <laughs> Absolutely. I would agree. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm in a weird place. I didn't just like come out and like, I'm living my life back home. I'm a very out there Mm -hmm. gay person. You know what I mean? I'm doing comedy specials where I'm talking about coming out. I'm, I'm bringing my wife on stage. I'm sharing very personal things about my life. So it does open you up to get criticism, Mm -hmm. to get hate, but, uh, to get to be that, you know, some representation for people that I didn't get to have growing up, you know, to me makes it worth it. If you can like help someone in their journey, I think that's so great. Yeah. So you're not having to bootleg the L word to to actually (laughs) see other gay people. I mean, it's so important. I just think anybody who's put themselves on television or in a public way, um, Mm -hmm. putting themselves out there as themselves, as a gay person in the world, I know that I look back and I think about all of those moments in the late Mm -hmm. nineties and the early two thousands that totally changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. And for you to be doing that now, it's like, I can imagine it's not just like a couple of kids that are getting changed. It's thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. of people who are looking at you, not only standing up there talking about it, but being proud of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing that blew me away during the pandemic because my sweet and salty special came out and then the world shut down a month later. Mm. And I found that all these people were starting to watch it with like their parents. Um, and maybe they wouldn't have spent that same kind of time with them otherwise. And I was getting so many emails from young people saying like they were scared to come out, but so they had their parents watch my special. Oh. And they would like watch, they would watch their parents watch the special and see if they laughed and like if there was joy or, you know, some positivity in their face. And if there was, they came out to them after watching it. And I, I couldn't believe it. And then on the flip side of that, I had so many parents reach out to me 
and say, I had this feeling that my kid might be gay. And so we put on your special to show them that they could like be safe to come out. And I was like, oh, my God, you put this stuff out. You don't think about these uh, things that can come up, come of that and in that kind of way. And that just it blew me away that that could have that impact. And I'm really grateful that it did. I feel like that like more than makes up for those four kids in Spain that you screwed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Like more. I'm just looking for validation. You, you're netting out. Yeah, you're netting out really well. <laughs> Let's switch to the opposite of parents who are afraid and shouldn't be. Can we switch to being children of the 80s and dealing with parents who should have been afraid Jesus. but were not for us? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I love in that every comedy bit to do some sort of throwback. Um, in my Sweet and Salty, I talked about being a terrible swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That part. And running across the pool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which was very true. I still do that. After being tw- like tweaking from the six pounds of Fun Dip you had the been eating dip, before. The Fun Dip, a.k.a. Kids Cocaine. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought, what would be another like fun throwback? And I was thinking about like how, you know, my wife's a a kindergarten teacher for 12 years and she's so like good and hands-on and very, you know, careful with the kids. And I'm like thinking like, it wasn't like that for me. (laughs) And I legitimately found a picture of me in kindergarten class and we were outside hammering, hammering nails. (laughs) What? And I, my t- I'm beside my teacher, so there was supervision. But I'm like, why at five years old <laughs> were we hammering nails? Like, that just seems like too soon. Yes. Um, and then it got me thinking about, you know, the recess out there was just crazy because they did used to um, have these large tires, these, uh, these <laughs> random big tires that they would push up this hill in the back of elementary school and we would run up there and get into the middle of these (laughs) tires and our teachers would push us down these like I'm not talking like a little tiny hill I'm talking Mm -hmm. about like a ski slope size (laughs) hill and we would just be going ah you know and crashing into like a wall it was so dangerous. I got a black eye at one point <laughs> when I was in kindergarten just because we were just left to our own devices yeah. and nobody cared. No, nobody cared. I mean, nowadays the school, the teachers would get sued and, mm-hmm. you know. It would never happen. And then the, yeah. the, the metal, the metal, all the metal and the burning hot and the Oh, the slides were made of aluminum oh. melting in the sun. Yes. And the merry-go-rounds, oh, truly, gosh. someone got stuck underneath it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now you get an ice pack if you have a, he- a headache. That's I'm right. Like, this, I'm like, this kid's kneecap has <laughs> been It's dislocated. Open. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. But our, and, and I don't even know if our teachers went outside. I think they just stayed in the room. The smoking and lounge. Like, in the smoking yeah. lounge. Yeah. <laughs> So I really love like doing that throwback because anyone that grew up around that time was everybody's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yes. how it was. I know. I We watched the special with one of our kids the other night and I look over at her whenever you go to a throwback 80s story. And she's uh-huh. just like this. Gla- like, Glazes over. Yeah. yeah. It's like no idea. And we're rolling. We're just yeah. dying. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, the, it's funny to see people when I talk about that little part about the calculator and writing boobs. Yes. It's the best. Oh, uh, God. Or hello. Hello was a good one, too. Well, wait, it's, was it? I thought it was 60065. Is it eight? It's uppercase or lowercase. Yeah, it depends uh, on what your, boob, what your boobs are. I mean, 40% uppercase boob kind of a gap. I wasn't all, right? all caps, baby. <laughs> when I watched the special, I was like, I think she got it wrong. I think uh, she got it wrong. It's just because you like, had small boobs at that time. I was time. small boobs. I'm more small. Yeah. <laughs> small boobs. <laughs> I don't know. I never We're a lowercase boob family. Yeah, um, but six does work. That is lowercase boobs. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
we live in this little neighborhood and this woman, I had just watched her special and then I was outside. My son was playing in the front yard. Yeah. Um, he's 10. And this woman who's walking across the street um, from our house and she is, her face is like blanched, freaking out. And she's screaming into my yard and she's going, is that your kid? My kid's friend had just walked over to our house. Okay. Lives yeah. five houses down walking over and she goes, I just saw a kid walking down the street <laughs> alone. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Uh, and, and it just made, after yeah. watching your special, I'm like, this woman is about to call 911 because she's yeah. seen a kid just walking about. And I was she's like, report I you. Was, <laughs> yeah, she's going to report us. And when I was that age, I was babysitting actual baby children. Yeah. Like, yeah. We used to babysit baby children. They'd be like, are you old enough to call 911, but are you young enough to not have your boyfriend come over and make out after it yeah. goes to sleep? Like that was Yeah, I think criteria. I started babysitting at 10. Yeah. Yes. I, I was yes. like calling my grandmother saying how scared I was and can she come over and <laughs> protect all of us? <laughs> can you come over and babysit me? <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure this 75 cents an hour is worth the stress. It was, yeah, because I remember we would leave the house at like, you know, 10 a.m. on our bikes and be gone till 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our right. parents had no idea where we, where we were and they would walk outside, like it was getting dark and they would yell. My mom would just yell out into the ethers for us to come home. And somehow that sound traveled like a mile. Yes. And I was like, it's time to go home. Yep. It's dinner. <laughs> it's food. My mom actually locked us outside. She would lock, oh, really? yeah, yeah. She'd lock the door. So we'd have to like pee in the bushes and yeah. drink water from like the hose tap on the side <laughs> of the house. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, heroic. Is, That's a heroic. It's so move. different. But yeah. So Those, you different times. Well, you you mentioned Jax and that she was a teacher. Can you yeah. talk to us? Because you guys are so sweet and Aww, cute and thanks. adorable. And Biggie. What? And Biggie, yeah. Tell us Shout about Biggie. how you met. You and Jax met. We met um, seven years ago at Chicago Pride. Ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, I never in a million years thought I would have any significant relationship that <laughs> came out of Pride. Um <laughs> But it was weird. It was the day after marriage equality passed, <gasps> uh, which Ooh. seemed so wild because I remember I was doing a pride show and it passed that day. And everybody that night, there was just this electricity of like, oh, my God, like we never thought mm-hmm. we'd get here, you know. And I remember like going through all the ups and downs of Prop 8 in California and being oh. so devastated and gathering in big groups to just sort of have this like, you know, solace with each other. And here it was like, oh my God, how historic. And I had never thought about marriage, truth be told. I didn't know that I would be lucky enough to have that. I didn't envision it for myself, probably because of growing up, not having those relationships. So I felt very hopeful. And I remember walking down the Minneapolis airport And there were like, they have it all the time, but it's like a rainbow Mm. corridor of Mm. lights. And um, I remember like walking down this being like, holy crap, (laughs) we get to get married. That's Mm. insane. And then that night I met Jax. (sighs) I I walked up to this event. I was there for like maybe 15 minutes. They had asked me to come host and I was watching the performers and she just walked up. She walked up with her friend and started chatting and I thought they were together and uh, we took a picture and um, I was like, this girl's really cute, but I guess they were together. Oh, well. And she came back like 10 minutes later uh, saying her picture was bad. I was like, oh yeah, sure. Sure it is. And I got this like (laughs) false sense of confidence. (laughs) Thinking that she was coming to like hit on me, and which I never thought. I was always that person that was like, oh, you like the person behind me, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> so I just was like, I was like, oh, I think she's like trying to come back and talk to me. Um, so it made me be like a little bit more, um, 
I don't know, like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's up, girl? Yeah. And um, How we kept you running, doing? running into each other up. all night. Yeah, right? And uh, <laughs> we ran into each other all night. And there were all these different distractions trying to, like, kind of keep us apart because it was pride and crazy. But we just kept finding each other in this giant crowd. And, yeah, started getting to know each other, hung out that whole weekend, and then dated uh, long distance for like a year. But I remember leaving Chicago that weekend being like, there's something different here. Mm. This doesn't feel like some random person I met. Mm. Um, and she never felt like a stranger. I'd never had that with anyone. <gasps> we get that big time. Yeah. We met in Chicago also. You did? I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was Chicago. Yep. Yeah. It was like Pride, but it was a librarian convention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Yes. Same, Woo! same. We loved it. We loved those librarians. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. I know I've been there before and I feel like I'm always expected to know everything despite having all of these questions. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, good news. Now all that info is in one place on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools with info like student-to-teacher ratios. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Do you have a moment where you knew right away that it wasn't just a normal, casual mm-hmm. experience? Do you remember any times where you were like, oh shit, this is my person. We're going to be together. I'm going to propose. Yeah. I mean, pretty early on, uh, even in that long distance situation, we went a couple months before we had that like talk of like, what are we kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even early on and then I was like, I feel like this this is a significant person for me. Mm. We just clicked. And a year into being together, we kind of came to an impasse. She was a teacher. So for her to move, she had to do it in the summer or else it was going to be a whole other year. She didn't want to disrupt like kids' lives by uprooting and leaving them midway through a school year. We both were so exhausted from traveling because I was touring. Mm -hmm. So we were touring and trying to see each other often. So we were both just like, how are we going to do this? (laughs) Like, it was a little less romantic than than it should have been. It was like, I'm tired. You're tired. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Let's be tired together forever. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we decided, let's do it. And, and I'll tell you, that was one of the, even though I knew like this person is incredible and I would be so lucky to be like with this person forever. It was so scary mm-hmm. um, because I had never been in this kind of significant relationship before. Um, she had to make the decision to uproot her entire life, <sighs> leave her friends, a job she loved. And I kept thinking like, am I ruining this person's life by having them come Mm. be a part of this circus (laughs) that I'm in that is comedy. Mm. And there was so much fear for both of us, but we weren't really talking about it. We just were like, let's, let's just do it. So we got her packed up and drove her across. We drove cross country and it, and I realized that we had um, both had such fear and not talked about it, but it came out in a very crazy way. (laughs) We stopped in Oklahoma City and um, we went to dinner and um, I ordered this like giant fried chicken dinner that came with like 10 sides. It was humongous. (laughs) 
And she ordered meatball sliders. And I was like, oh, are we, we're just going to share everything. And she's like, sure. And our food comes and I'm literally eating like a feast for like eight people. <laughs> and I go reach for one of her meatball sliders. And she's like, oh, you have like eight things. And I was like, I thought we were sharing. Because I'm just like so obsessed with food. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but I I just actually want this. And I'm like, wait, what we said we're sharing. And she was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I've got like, you know, gravy coming down my face. Like, what? What'd I do? And like, we almost, like, she like left. We almost broke up over a meatball slider <laughs> on the way for her to move to be with me. But I realized we realized after that night it was because we were both so terrified and just couldn't say that to each other that we were like fighting over a meatball slider. Isn't that? She's like, I found the meatball slider. Yeah. She's like, I've given up my friends, my family, my job, my student. Just let me have the fucking slider. Let me have my meatball sliders. And I'm like, but I want a meatball slider. I was such an idiot. We got to LA and I remember we we went to bed that night, woke up, and just all that pressure, all that Mm. fear just melted away. It just went away. We had to kind of have that like rah, and mm-hmm. get it out and then she like as soon as she moved in it felt like oh this is yeah this is what it's we're supposed to be together we fit like right away we spent mm-hmm. all of our time together and never got tired of each other and it's still like that mm-hmm. so yeah you just you just have to tell each other you're scared but it's so hard yeah to do that you know yeah do you share food now uh <laughs> I want to share everything. Okay. And she's still um, like, yeah, I don't I, like you can have some of it, but we I'm still like so obsessed with food. I'm like, I want to try eight things on the menu. And right. she's like, just order your one thing. You're good. You don't have to have all of it. Yeah. So when you say share, you mean I want to also take yours. Yes. Yes. That's Got what Glenn, <laughs> Glennon <laughs> also is prescribing in that. Oh, yeah. are you? Yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, yeah. I've ordered what I ordered, mm-hmm. knowing exactly how much I want to put in my face. Sharing is caring. Mm-hmm. No. Sharing is caring. Yeah. I say that too. I'm yeah. like, don't you love me? Don't you love Don't me? you want me to have some of that? She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is called We Can Do Hard Things. Tragically, we only have another minute. What's hard for you right now? Yeah. Um, well, I'm such a workhorse. Mm. I am just like on that path of like trying to do everything. You know, I'm uh, so lucky to be at a place in my career where people want to come to shows or that I'm getting opportunities to act or or whatnot. Um, I would say juggling all of this is difficult. I'm uh, trying to remember to find balance because... I want to work and and do this because I love it so much, but I want to make sure that my wife is okay, mm-hmm. that our life is good, and that I'm not so consumed with um, trying to you know quote unquote make it mm-hmm. or or be successful that I'm ignoring the the big things in my life that really matter, mm-hmm. like my family, like my my wife, and us being happy. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. We don't relate at all, but we do. <laughs> we relate. Very we relate much big. To that. We relate big. Fortune, yeah. thank you for for just making that decision to be you and Aww. be you out loud because it's really helping the world. It's, yeah. It makes a huge difference. Well, um, I appreciate that. You guys are. You do the same thing, like having your example of. Uh, who you guys are and your love and who you are individually and who you are together. I, I think that means so much to people to see your your example. So thank you. Ditto to you, my friend. We love you so much. And we're going to have to have you on next time, another time, because With Jax, please, maybe Jax, Jax maybe you can come for a double yeah. day, you and Jax. And I just need to know more about the butch 
Oh, the fam thing that we, lives that, inside of you. The, the bit that has started four hey, million me? conversations oh. between the two of us. Yeah. Well, y'all know I am a debutante. So <laughs> I guess you just can't get rid of some parts of yourself. Such a lady. <laughs> Such a lady. Well, this Thank is awesome. You Thank y'all for having me. Thank Thanks, you for Fortune. coming. Sissy, did you want to say something? You look like you were about to say Sissy. something. Sissy. Oh, I was just saying big shout out to Biggie. Biggie, Biggie. Oh, I best. mean, if you think you love Fortune, wait till you meet Biggie. That's yeah. my dog is adorable. And my it, dog is the best. I we're so obsessed with him, and we wake up every day happy yeah. because he's looking at us mm-hmm. with unconditional love. And it is there's no greater feeling than waking up to him and coming home to him. We went down a Pomeranian. Uh, rabbit hole yeah. after your yeah. show because yeah. we also too are equally as obsessed with Biggie as you yeah, are. If, if Jax finds <laughs> another one like that, that's a rescue. Can you just have her we're send all, it we're to We're looking because Abby told me you wanted to oh, find good. one. So yeah. okay. we'll let you know. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. We love you, Go Fortune. watch Fortune's shit. Yes. Go to her shows. Good Fortune. Good Fortune. Good Fortune. On Netflix. Do not now. miss Fortune. it. Good Fortune. Watch it with your family. We love you. Thanks, Thank Fortune. Thank you, guys. Bye. See you next time, all. Bye. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.